please. Genesis 3 and Galatians 4. Genesis 3 and Galatians 4. A couple quick reminders here after the service, if you'd prayerfully go over and take a look at the angel tree and Christmas meals to my left over there. We have some new families that we signed up. And once again, like Pastor Renee mentioned, these are families that may be within the body or within the community. Get a chance to bless them, a tangible way to show the love of Jesus. Take a look at that. And also just want to reiterate to my right over there is the sign-up sheet concerning the church cancellation. Uh, once again, this year we're doing things differently. It will be on the website. It will be on the Facebook page. It does not work out anymore for us to do it on the TV or radio stations is not as effective. And with us covering such a large area, we have like eight different counties where people come from, we need to be able to get the word out quicker and more efficiently. With first service starting at 8.30, the worship team shows up by 7.30, which means we need to be making this call by 7 a.m. So please pray for wisdom. Pastor Rich is so faithful. He goes out in the morning. He drives the roads. He tries to make a quick decision. We talk about it. And it's sometimes tough in the middle of winter when it's rough and tough out there. Maybe good where you're at, bad here. Maybe good here, but bad where you're at. So this helps us to more efficiently get a hold of everybody. You will either get a call or a text to let you know about church. That sign-up sheet is back there to my right. So once again, if you'd like to get signed up for that, if you're not going to check the website, if you're not going to check the Facebook page, we need to have you sign up so that way you can get the information to you more quickly and more efficiently. So, let's pray real quick and let's get started. Heavenly Father, good to be here this morning. Thank you for the time of worship and just to hear the people's voices. Just as we get ready to celebrate this Christmas season, help us to have our heart, mind, and soul focused on you. As always, Lord, you teach, we listen. Let your spirit guide and direct in all things. In your name, amen. Going to do something different here for the next few weeks. We finished up our study in Acts last week. So with that being said, we could have started a new book today, but with Christmas program being next week, we'd have to start one week, stop a week, and then we have the week before Christmas. So what we're going to do here is we're just going to do three messages about Christmas to get us ready as we get to the holiday season. Now, this is kind of fun. This is kind of different. Um, I've been teaching out here. This is the 15th year I've been the pastor out here, and if you add in the assistant years, a lot of messages about Christmas. And every year when Christmas comes up, you know, you read over the story in Luke, you read over the story in Matthew, you're like, Lord, what direction do you want us to go with this on? How can we best realize and show what Christmas is really about? So we're going to do a few messages here on Christmas, and then we're going to start up a new book then after the holiday season is over. So with that being said, to really see where Christmas begins, you don't go to Luke, you don't go to Matthew, you have to go way back to the beginning, and the beginning is Genesis chapter 3. This is where the Christmas story begins. Now, it is my job today to destroy every fun image you have of Christmas. So how's that for the plan for today? You will walk out of here saying this is the most depressing holiday season ever. If you did that, amen, I did my job. Because to really understand what Christmas is, you have to understand why Jesus came. The reason Jesus came is given to us in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, you know what happens. Genesis 1, Genesis 2, it's the retelling of the creation of the world and of man and woman. So in Genesis 3, everything's great. It's the Garden of Eden. This is the way God intended it to be. Anytime someone comes up to me and says, it's hard for me to believe in a God that has a world like this. And I agree with you. It would be hard for me to believe in a God that wants to have a world like this. This is not the way God intended the world to be in any way whatsoever. He intended the world to be Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Perfection, beauty, peace, calm, no pain, no hurt, no suffering. That's the God I serve. But what happens is in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve sinned. 
So what happened is Eve was deceived by the snake. Adam went out and sinned with her. And so these three are kind of brought together, the snake, Adam, and Eve. And God kind of then rebukes them and punishes them for bringing sin into the world. So what happens? Verse 14 of Genesis chapter 3. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Verse 15 is the first verse in the Bible that deals with Christmas. And this is why. I will put enmity, there will be a struggle, hostility, between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Her seed represents Jesus Christ. So there is a struggle since Genesis 3 between the enemy, Satan, and sin, and the seed, which is Jesus He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. He shall bruise your head, meaning Satan will crush, excuse me, Jesus will crush Satan. You shall bruise his heel. Satan bruised Jesus on the cross. First prophecy in the Bible, and guess what? That's your first verse on Christmas. Jesus came to take care of this sin problem. That's why he came down on the cross. Now, most of the time when we think of Christmas, we think of, once again, Luke chapter 2, etc. And those are the cute verses that we like to put on our Christmas card. For unto us a son is given, you know, etc. Throw everybody for a loop today. Put Genesis 3.15 on your Christmas cards this year. And they'll sit there and say, what are you talking about? This is the real reason we have Christmas. The real reason we have Christmas is because we created a mess and God has to clean up our mess of sin. That's the reason we have Christmas. If we never committed sin back in the garden, Christmas would never exist because it wouldn't have to exist. So the reason we celebrate the birth of Jesus is because we committed sin and Christ has to come down and fix the sin problem for us. That's the real story behind Christmas. It's not as much fun as the baby in the manger. It's not as much fun as the wise men coming. Those are the fun things of Christmas. The lights, the decoration. That's that's what we want to focus on. The real meaning of Christmas is there's this mess of sin, and it has to be dealt with. I love Christmas. I love the holiday season. My favorite day of the year is November 1st. November 1st, I go into full holiday mode, and I am just focused on it because I love what the season means and what it represents. We do all these little things at home. And one of the little things that we do at home is we have what we call the little people. Now, if you have any children, you know what I'm talking about, the little people. And the little people have all these different sets. And so we have all the Christmas sets of the little people. We have the wise men, we have the manger, we have the angels, we have all the little people. We have enough little people to qualify for statehood. We have so many little people in our house. So what happens as we get closer to Christmas, we bring out all the little people. And we set up the mangers, and we set up the wise men, we set up the shepherds, we set up all the sets. And we look at Christmas, and Christmas is this adorable little, little people in the manger. It's the adorable little Mary and the adorable little Joseph. How would it sell real quick if they made a little people crucifixion set? It wouldn't sell, would it? We don't want to think about that, do we? I mean, how many of us want to get together and say, hey... Because we sinned and we deserve hell, I'm giving you this present at Christmas. It doesn't carry the same weight. But the reason we celebrate Christmas is because you sinned and I sinned and we deserved hell. And so Jesus had to come down and fix the problem for us. That's Christmas. So, back to Genesis 3, verse 15. This is why we're celebrating. We're celebrating Jesus coming down to bruise the head of Satan. To take care of a mess we created a mess that we can't clean up. That's the story behind Christmas. 
When you look at what Jesus said in the Gospels, he said repeatedly again and again, Matthew 18, Matthew 20, Luke 9, he kept saying again and again, the Son of Man has not come down to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He goes, the reason I am here is to die. The reason I am here is to take care of sin. He knew why he was coming. He knew it. He knew he was coming down to clean up the mess that we created. Let's build on this. I ask you also to go to Galatians 4. So can you flip to Galatians 4 with me, please? Galatians chapter 4. So in Galatians chapter 4, it kind of brings these points together. Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Right there. That's Christmas. When the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. That's what we're here to celebrate. The fullness of the time. Do you realize what that means? Verse 4. The fullness of the time took 4,000 years. There's 4,000 years between Genesis 3 and Galatians 4. So the fullness of the time, 4,000 thousand years for that to happen. Christmas, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. There we go. Back to Christmas, right? Why? Verse 5. To redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because as sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. The fullness of time, 4,000 years, Christ came down for Christmas, die on the cross, so therefore we could become sons of God. So therefore we, we could have this mess that was created by us fixed. And that's the purpose of why we're here to celebrate. And God had to do it himself. Himself. We couldn't do it ourselves. I mean, for 4,000 years... Mankind couldn't fix this sin problem. It's impossible to fix this sin problem. We can't do it. It has to be the Lord, and it has to be the Lord alone to do those things. God has to provide that for himself. Do you realize how many times there's a mess, and the mess is our fault? We're supposed to clean it up, but we just can't. That's what Christ does. You know, with us having five boys, or seven of us, our house is constantly in this pickup mode, this pickup phase. And we're constantly trying to pick up things. You can have one room clean and then next thing you know, there's five boys that go through and it's like a tornado went through. So every now and then we just stop and we say, okay guys, we're going to pick up now. We're going to take some time, get everything put back away and take care of it. Now without a doubt, our fourth son, Layden, who's four years old, as soon as we say it's time to pick up, his knee starts to hurt. It is inevitable. His knee starts to hurt. Sometimes it's his stomach. And he'll get up off the couch, and he's grabbing his knee. And it's, and it's, it's an awful injury because it flips from knee to knee. I mean, it just goes back and forth. It's got to be an awful thing that he's going through. So his knee starts to hurt. He can't clean up, even though he's created the mess. So we work through it. We work through it lovingly. We work through it firmly. Eventually, it's like, you need to pick up something. So pick up your blanket. He's got this blanket that he loves. He's had it since he was a baby. Takes his blanket everywhere. His knee is so bad he can't pick up his blanket. His blanket all of a sudden became too heavy. He can't do it. He'll try to pick his blanket up. He'll get halfway there and he'll fall off his hands. And next thing you know, he's on his knees. This kid is just suffering left and right. Now, he created a mess that he can't clean up. 
So what do you do? So I go over, I help him pick up the blanket, and I speak very loving, firm words in his ear, saying, pick it up and go. The point is this. How often has there been a time in life where there's been a mess that's been created and you can't fix it? It's, just, it's a mess. You can't fix it. There's nothing you can do. That's why the Lord has to come fix the mess for you. Think about this for a second. If I came to you right now and said, what's the main problems in your life? Let's just, just be honest. What would we say? Well, the main problems in my life, finances. You know, money's tight right now, holiday season. Bills are coming up. Um, my health, maybe. I'm not in great health or there's a health issue. Maybe it's a relationship. A marriage is not good. Whatever. Those are the problems you're facing. Do you realize those aren't problems you're facing? You're facing one problem. That problem is sin. You're not facing anything else. Finances. Finances aren't a problem. The Bible says that your heavenly father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Health. That's not a problem. The Bible says that as soon as you die, you have a glorified body waiting for you in heaven. That's not a problem. Relationship issues. Well, the Bible tells you how to build bridges and have forgiveness and, and yield. You know, those aren't problems. Sin. That's the problem. And, and as we've said many times before, Jesus did not come down to die on the cross to make you happy. He did not come down to die on the cross to fill some void in your life to give you joy. He came down to die on the cross because you sinned, I sinned, and that sin has to be dealt with, and he's the only one that can take care of it. That's the issue, and that's the story of Christmas. is that we created a mess, and we can't clean it up. We are the four-year-old that all of a sudden our knee starts to hurt, and we can't even take our blanket to our room. We need somebody to help us. God has to create that, has to fix that for us. There's a great story that deals with this. Can you go with me to Genesis 22? Genesis 22. Because in Genesis 22, we see how God provides, how God takes care of when we have problems that we can't fix, what the Lord does to help to do this, help to take care of us. Genesis 22. Now, in Genesis 22, it's the story of Abraham getting ready to sacrifice Isaac, his son. Let's just read a couple introduction verses and make a quick point here. Genesis 22, verse 1, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I should tell you. Now, let's get a couple points across here clear. Number one, God never intended for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Never intended if you read these passages and you say, that's the problem I have with God, he's asking for his human sacrifice of a son. Nope. Never intended it for happen. Verse 1. After this, God tested Abraham. It's a test. A test to see is Abraham's faith there. God never wanted the blood of Isaac. Never. Make that point abundantly clear. Next point. Isaac. Isaac, that's going to go and be offered up potentially as a sacrifice. Most people believe that he's in his 20s or 30s at this time. This is not Abraham taking a little child and, and strapping him down on the wood. No, this is a grown man that's going along with this. Remember that as you go through this. And lastly, key point here, faith. The faith that Abraham had. And let me tell you why. Verse 3. Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place in which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. 
First off, a few points here. Number one, verse three. What's going through Abraham's mind as he's splitting the wood to sacrifice his son? Think about that for a second. What's going through the mind of the father? Remember who Isaac is. Isaac is the promised child. Abraham had Isaac when he was 100 years old. His wife was 90 years old. Isaac was the miracle child to be the beginning of the nation of Israel. Isaac has Jacob. Jacob has the 12 tribes. And the 12 tribes are what we know as the nation of Israel. Isaac is key. Isaac had been prayed for, hoped for, wept for, possibly more than any other child that ever has existed. And here is his father that, as 100 years old, finally had his child is now splitting wood to go offer him as a sacrifice. Keep those things in the back of your mind. Note what Abraham says in verse 5. Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. Worship. Would you ever consider sacrificing your child as worship? No. We misunderstand what worship is. Worship is a self-sacrificing of our end to forget about ourselves and focus on who God is. That's why the Bible calls it a sacrifice of praise. When you come in for worship, the idea is that you stop thinking about everything that happened this week. And you say, Lord, I'm going to give you the glory just because you're God. For your grace, your love, your mercy. I'm not giving you the glory because of you gave me a good week. Because even on a bad week, you get the glory. I'm not giving you the glory for my health. Because some days I may have bad health. No matter what, I'm just giving you the glory for who you are. And it doesn't matter how fast, how slow, how loud, how quiet, what style. I'm going to find some way to worship to that music that's going on. We misunderstand worship. So when I see him say right here, they're going to go worship. Worship by killing your child? Remember, that's not what God intended. Never was. Plus, we get a little bit of background here. If you're a note taker, write this down. Hebrews 11 17 through 19. Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. When you hear Abraham say that the lad and I will go up and we will return. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 19, that Abraham was so sure that God would take care of this that he believed that God would even raise Isaac from the dead. That's a lot of faith. That's a lot of faith. Verse 6, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. Look at the symbolism of Isaac. Verse 6, he's carrying the wood on his back. Picture of Jesus carrying the cross. Look here one time, verse 4. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place. Third day, a picture of Christ rising on the third day. Isaac is a picture of Jesus. What's going through Abraham's mind in verse 6? Carrying the knife that's going to kill his child. Verse 7, Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood... Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? That's a good question. That's an excellent question. We're going up on the mountain to sacrifice. Knife, check. Wood, check. Fire, check. Key component, sacrifice. Where's that at? Do you ever ask God questions? That's a legit question. God, what's the plan? The world is completely falling apart around us, Lord. How are we going to fix this, God? What is your plan here? Because I'm not really seeing a great answer on how you're going to heal this marriage. I'm not seeing a great answer on how you're going to take care of that situation. I don't see a great answer how you're going to provide for this person in a difficult time. Lord, I'm not seeing these great answers. How are you going to fix this, Lord? Very legit question. The answer, verse 8, Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Depending on your translation, King James says, God will provide himself 
a lamb. NIV says God himself will provide the lamb. I'm not an expert on Hebrew. I don't claim to be. But if you study this out from the people I've studied, it sounds like God is singing in the original Hebrew that God is providing himself the lamb. Obviously a foreshadowing of Christ on the cross, the lamb. So they get up there. There is no sacrifice. And what happens, verse 9, they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Remember, most people believe, and if you study out the words for this, it looks like that Isaac is in his 20s or 30s, maybe even older than that. This is not Abraham ambushing his son. This is a grown man. And remember, his father by this time is 120, 130, maybe even older. Isaac could have got away. Isaac willfully was bound, willfully placed himself on the wood. What a picture of Jesus. Verse 10, Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. God's provision. Never was God's intention for Abraham to kill Isaac. It was never God's intention for Isaac to have to sacrifice himself. God always had the plan to provide the sacrifice. Now, let's put this all together now with Christmas. We created a mess 6,000 years ago in the Garden of Eden. We brought sin into the world as the human beings. It was never God's intention for us to fix that mess. Never. God has always provided the answer, and that answer is Christmas. Christ coming down to die on the cross. We tried to take care of it ourselves. We tried. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what did they do? The first thing they did is they covered themselves with leaves. The Bible says that before they sinned, they were naked and not ashamed. It's a picture of innocence, a picture of purity. Once sin came into the world, there was now this perversion that was there. And so what happened is they were covering themselves with leaves to make themselves look better, hide. Well, as they covered themselves with leaves, God came down, told them that they sinned. He said, the leaf thing doesn't work anymore, so I'm going to give you animal skins. So the animal skins were there given to Adam and Eve to cover up their sin, to cover up their nakedness and shame. What is that a picture of? That's the picture of death has to take care of sin. Those little animals were living in a picture-perfect place. There was not death going on in the Garden of Eden. The first death that had to happen in this world is because human beings sinned. The first death that had to happen, the first blood shed, had to cover up someone's sin. So, it started out one-to-one. One animal to one person had to cover your sin. Fast forward, Exodus, Passover. One lamb provides for an entire family now to take care of sin. Now, what did that lamb do wrong? Nothing. Lambs are pretty cute. That lamb still has to die for the family. Fast forward a little bit farther along. Now we have one ram to take care of the sins for an entire nation, the Day of Atonement. So now one ram covers a whole nation. Fast forward again. You have one man to cover the sins for the entire world. Jesus Christ and Christmas. It started out one to one, and then one animal to a family, then one animal to a nation, and to one man for the world. If you want further study, check out Hebrews 9, 10, and 11. Chapters 9, 10, and 11 build this beautiful point in how Christ is the sacrifice for our sins. The point is this. There was a mess that had to be taken care of, and guess what? God provides. Look at verse 14. 
Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Now, if you like this, and I love these type of names of God, that phrase, verse 14, the Lord will provide, in Hebrew is literally Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide, or some translations call it, the Lord will see. Now, think about what that means. The Lord will provide whatever need you have. He'll provide. The sin issue that had been, been bothering them, the Lord provided the sacrifice of sins. He did it right there through a ram, but ultimately the Lord provided through Jesus Christ. The Lord will see. The Lord sees what you're struggling with. He knows what you're going through, and He'll meet your needs to go through that. See, that's kind of this point of Christmas. If God's going to provide, take care of our sin, is He going to take care of everything else? The Lord will provide what you need. The Lord sees what you need, and He takes care of it. We sit here sometimes as believers and start thinking that God doesn't see, He doesn't care, He doesn't get it. He sees. He gets it. He cares. He wants to meet your needs. And to bring this point to completion, can you go with me to Romans 8? Romans 8. Last passage we're going to go to here. Romans 8. See, in Romans 8, Paul makes this wonderful point that brings us all together. Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Verse 32 is basically saying this. If God would not withhold his son from us, what else is he not going to withhold from us? The answer is nothing. If he's willing to give up his son for you, isn't he going to meet every other need you have? I mean, there's nothing bigger than giving up his son. Nothing. So we're going back to our analogy of health or finances or problems or worries or fears in this world. Nothing compares to giving up his son for you. So this Christmas season, when you see the manger and you see what that represents... That's the ultimate example of love that God can show you. That I'm willing to give up my son, and if I'm willing to give up my son, I'm not going to withhold anything else from you in any way whatsoever. And that's the whole point of Christmas, is that there was a mess that was created 6,000 years ago in the Garden of Eden. Sin came into the world. So God said, I'll clean up this mess for you. I'm Jehovah Jireh the God that provides. And the way I'm going to provide the cleanup of this mess is I'm going to send my son down Christmas to clean up this mess of sin, which was created 4,000 years before that, and we still celebrate 2,000 years later. God will provide himself a lamb. God will provide the lamb himself, and that lamb is Jesus Christ. Jesus knew this. He knew that. He knew from the beginning, as we mentioned earlier in the lesson, the Son of Man came to be the ransom for many. Christ knew that. He completely knew what he was doing and what he was going through to provide for that. And that's what we're here to celebrate this Christmas. Now, one last thing here as we get ready to close up. My wife found this song a few years ago, and it's become uh, one of her favorites as we get a chance to read and think, I should say, about the Christmas story here. And I just want to read a little bit of the lyrics to this song because it really creates this great picture of what we've been talking about and really puts an exclamation point on it. It goes like this. It's talking about Christmas. It goes, it's not just about the manger where the baby lay. 
It's not all about the angels who sang for him that day. It's not just about the shepherds or the bright and shining star. It's not about the wise men who traveled from afar. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. And it goes on through the different verses. It's not about the presence underneath the tree. It's not about coming home to be with those you love. It's about the cross, once again it says. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we can be born again. It's about God's love nailed to a tree. It's about every drop of blood that flowed from him when it should have been me. And that really puts into perspective of why we're celebrating this and why we're celebrating what Christmas is supposed to mean and what it's supposed to see. You know, I said that uh, Romans 8.32 was the last verse that we're going to go to. I love you, but I lied. Um, I was just thinking about this, and you don't need to turn there. I was thinking about the story in Luke chapter 2. And as after Jesus was born, and it was after he was circumcised at the temple at eight days old, he was then presented to the temple as the Jewish custom. There was this man by the name of Simeon. And Simeon saw Jesus as a baby. And this is what he said. He said, Lord... Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people. He got it. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people. Going back to our first verse, Genesis 3, verse 15. You'll bruise his heel, but you'll crush his head. First prophecy in the Bible, the first verse on Christmas, God had already planned then to say, i got to fix this sin problem. I'm going to send my son to do it. 4,000 years it took, but that's how the sin problem was taken care of. So that's what Christmas is about. And what we're going to do here the next couple of weeks is we're going to kind of build on this as we get ready here. Mark, if you want to come forward for the final.